Welcome to the Business Chat Series, bringing you business insights and talking to real businesses. My name is Sean Cumming and I'm joined by Felissa Mina John. Hi. And uh, in our first podcast today, we're going to be bringing you some conversation on risk management and contingency planning. We've got a great uh, small business chat with a local business in the Byron Bay area. Uh, and we're just going to bring some overall experiences from our point of view and uh, an insight into what's coming up uh, on our agenda. So, Felicimina, thanks for joining me today. Thank you. Uh, so, talking risk management, typically yeah. businesses would think of natural risks, maybe physical risks. Yeah. But what are some of the other ones that maybe they don't typically think of? Well, um, I think, you know, definitely, as you say, um, the natural disasters come to mind, especially um, as we are in the um, Northern Rivers um, region. You know, we're, we're fairly prone, I, I think, in the last year, we've seen um, fires, we've seen floods, um, and, um, and that's definitely, um, I guess, a, a type of risk that um, businesses in this area need to be um, aware of and not to become complacent about the fact that these risks um, are actually part of living and running a business up here. Um, so I, I think that's definitely one that always comes to mind. Um, um, and, you know, and we'll talk a little bit more, I guess, about um, the, the types of um, things that we do when we're working with businesses that ha- um, have experienced uh, or gone through uh, some of these natural disasters. Um, but also, I guess, there's always um, the risks in um, in ourselves, you know, in the fact that we might make mistakes. Um, so risks in human error, um, and uh, and and the risks of um, the way our competitor landscape changes. Mm. We might think that you know we're pretty awesome in our region for um, uh, being a particular um, type of business. Let's say. You know, you're you're the best at um, brewing a um, craft beer, and then along comes a um, some pretty savvy um, city slickers to <laughs> set up a pretty amazing brewery in the area, and all of a sudden your your craft um, brewery dreams um, um, can be a little bit you know can be impacted in some way. Definitely. Um, yeah. So, so looking at that, so, so when we look at a competitor snapshot, I guess, I, I think it's safe to say that the too often businesses um, either don't want to accept that they've got serious competition, whether it's direct or indirect, mm. uh, but mm. then they also don't want to consider in the industry or the marketplace some shifts that can occur as well. Yes. So I guess breaking that down into to both some structural and, and cultural changes mm. in the marketplace. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I think, um, you know, change these days just happens at such a, um, a rapid pace. And um, when we talk about a structural shift, we think that, you know, industries have operated in certain ways for such a long time. And you think, well, if I'm going to enter that industry, if I'm going to be a player in that industry, this is how I need to do things. Um, but not being prepared for the innovations that change perhaps the supply chain, you know, how people work, how, um, how, you, uh, ha- how logistics are um, implemented. So if you're not ready for those changes that are um, structural to how you operate your business, you're going to be caught out because people will be taking advantage of efficiencies that you're not ready for. Yeah, definitely. And I think, I mean, 
in business so often people love to do that SWOT analysis, you know, mm-hmm. and, and particularly it's easy for us to analyze our personal strengths, our personal yeah. weaknesses. But then the opportunities and threats section there is yes. sometimes quite vague. Yeah. Uh, and we don't really look at the opportunities that could present themselves in the mm. future. Mm. Uh, for me, working with mostly startups, mm. um, that's one you know, huge aspect of the business plan that they seem to like to, to shy away from. Um, is a that real, in the opportunities? In saying? the opportunities, yeah, right. not really looking at what serious opportunities could come along mm. um, and not really looking at from a historical point of view to say, well, in the last 10 years, Mm. Technology has changed an incredible amount. Yeah. Uh, the opportunities that businesses now have, yeah. they did not have 10 years ago. Yeah, absolutely. But not forecasting that in another 10 years' time, things will change again. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. It's more just this adaptive nature to what's currently out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I guess as well as that is this, uh, from a competitor analysis point of view, mm. uh, not enough focus on on competition mm-hmm. um, and where those threats could come from. Yeah. Um, and I guess uh, for you, perhaps working with with some of your established businesses, mm-hmm. uh, providing advice to them on yeah. you, know, you know both the one on one and in some of the workshops you yeah. do. Yeah. Uh, do you find that's that's the case as well when they sort of get through the establishment phase? Yeah. Yeah. Look, I think, um, uh, and and again, I don't want to say that people are complacent but that you know complacency comes to mind because um, people get in a groove of how they run their business and they um, aren't I guess um, always attuned to um, the threats that that might come along Um, and a couple of examples that I can think of that um, are pretty uh, top of mind is Obviously, you know, in our region, Uber's arrived this year, and um, and then thinking about how that's um, impacting our um, local taxi network, our um, other point to point driving um, uh, businesses that are around. Well, I think it was just this morning. Uh, there's a blockade down in Adelaide with the taxi drivers sort of revolting against uh, Uber itself. So, I mean, it won't be long before such an action might happen up here, but... Yeah, and I think that, you know, it's it's interesting. I think Uber will have um, a challenge on its hands anyway in the region because we are talking about a pretty spread out, um, uh, you know, demographic we're not it's not it's not um a metro um city area where point you know driving from one point to another is an easy and high demand um um business but um but but that's an example of i guess where um the the taxi industry and um i guess high car industry um, do need to look for those opportunities. I've seen some businesses who have then focused in on a particular community, and obviously in our area there is uh, there are a lot of um, retired um, and um, retired um, people and people who um, need um, driver services. So the veteran services will um, offer those sorts of businesses. So there's opportunities there for them to overcome that threat of um, the Uber arriving into town. Um, Another one I can think of is the fact that NDIS has arrived um, and the fact that there are a lot of um, people who used to rely on um, disability 
funding um, now needing to be much more innovative about how they're approaching um, the disability sector. Um, the power now is in the hands of um, people who are receiving the NDIS funding to actually look for the services and now these um, what were previously service um, funded service providers are now going to have to be a lot more innovative mm -hmm. about how they um, grab the opportunities to get in front of the people that need their services. Definitely. Mm -hmm. And I think linking back to that example with, with Uber, particularly in regional Australia, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I know down in uh, the mid-north coast as well, one taxi service, it was, I think it was two or three years after Uber had launched and they finally um, decided to release an app of their own where people could make mm -hmm. their bookings online. Um, Brilliant. Why, why did it take three years of complacency <laughs> before basically having your, your hand forced to, yeah. to do such a thing because that's what your, your customers want? Mm -hmm. I mean... Why was that? Why did it take so long? It's mm. just, it, it's mind boggling. It really yeah. is that that change had been in the works for so long. Yeah, I mean, customer service is, is definitely a huge area of um, opportunity for businesses. The fact that, um, you know, that you have that ability to just up the ante on how you bring your product or service to market um, just by being the one that's going to be um, the most responsive, being the being the one in the community that people know and will stick by when a structural change like that comes along. Yeah, definitely. And if we sort of go back to our own personal experiences here for a bit, Fliss, mm -hmm. with uh, obviously you being a, a business owner for, for quite some mm -hmm. time, yep. um, what have you faced in, in terms of some of uh, the changes that have gone on in the in the marketplace, yeah. whether with it's with the, the com with competitors or whether it's with your consumer? Yep. Um, yep. Yeah. What have you found? Well, um, I guess just to give a bit of a background, I come from um, running a web agency um, for uh, since the early 2000s. Actually, we started in 2000, and you know, if you think about what you were using back then for websites, um, you know, it was the the age of the the dreaded banner ad and the um, the pop up ads and um, and websites that um, you know um, that were uh, pretty clunky, <laughs> let's say. So. Um, Bespoke web design, which is what um, uh, our agency started at, was really disrupted in a in a big way. But having said that, you know, um, being in the industry and being an active um, uh, member of the industry, I did. You know, we, we did see the, um, the the shift in the market happening. We you know we were early adopters of WordPress, um, despite the fact that we were already building our own bespoke CMS. Um, uh, ourselves and, and providing those as services to our customers. But instead of seeing that shift in the market as a, um, a threat to what we were offering, it actually presented a huge opportunity because we knew um, the way, you know, the way, the power of um, WordPress. And um, in the early days, um, it was really still a tool for um, for those in the know, so if you know, it wasn't really geared towards um, the the user, the average user that we see now. Um, so there was still the opportunity to solve the problem of, that our customers had. So by focusing on the problem that our customers had, which was about um, helping, enabling them to have an engaging web presence, we could still keep our um, keep our customer base, but. Um, shift, pivot our focus to be actually implementing a CMS instead of building a CMS for our customers. 
Um, so inst not, instead of being so married to the solution that we were providing, we were actually looking at the problem that our customers needed solved and still able to you know, maintain, that, um, maintain that business um, well into now that the time again has shifted again because <laughs> now WordPress is even more user friendly. Um, there, there are a lot of people that don't need that support anymore. It's a very um, powerful CMS. So um, instead of um, continuing to go down that path, now it's about enabling people to, um, I guess, boost their presence with um, their um, social media, with their um, Google Analytics and mm -hmm. and with um, and producing Google AdWords. So, so it it's yeah, I think in in my experience, if you focus on what the customer needs rather than what your solution is, then you'll be able to um, remain a major player in the in the industry that you're in. Yeah, right. Okay. Mm. I guess for is me, it? yeah, like mm. from from a similar point of view, from a uh, having my own business uh, from 2012 and, and mm. mostly in, in media communications but a lot of broadcast media and working with with mm. different events different sports um, huge area of change huge change yeah. underwent obviously with the firstly with the rise of things like YouTube which was yes. you know videos <laughs> on demand whenever you wanted them that's right online um, uh, and I guess at the time most of these sporting uh, franchises or events were all vying for a limited amount of, of broadcast um, bandwidth, I guess, through free-to-air TV and, mm, and pay TV. Yeah, and of course. if you they didn't dominated. get on there, exactly, yeah. and if you didn't get on there, then people would just throw their hands up and say, "Oh well, mm. we're not going to get anything." Yeah. But I guess um, what I found, with particularly with 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 some surfing events was by by using live streaming technology as soon as it was available and, mm. and I guess saying to to mainstream broadcasting well we don't actually need you we can produce our own content far cheaper That's it. Um, yep. we can stream it so our our consumer can have it whenever they want it mm. uh, both live and, and in uh, on-demand basis mm. they can have it on their mobile device they can have it on their iPad or yep. on their computer at home or you know if you've got a smart TV now which most people do you can mm. watch it there too so mm. um, I guess by looking at that huge opportunity and uh, taking it when it first came up because mm. for that it, it, I guess it presented the opportunity for other financing options too that you can sell yeah. sponsorships with with advertising online yeah um you know it's just it, it basically cut out a, a huge middleman which yes. was the you know the major broadcasters yeah that, yeah you know, they would either buy your your content uh, yeah. from you or they would offer to uh to, to play it for you with with no purchasing price, yeah. but then they could still sell their own adverts in it. So yeah, it was a yeah. win-win for them. Absolutely. Cut them out. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the consumer wins and, and these yes. events win too. Yeah. I was thinking it, it brings to mind like something that happened in, I guess, the, oh, it would have been the 90s really when we used to watch um, uh, the State of Origin and actually turn down the sound on TV and listen to Roy and HG broadcasting. Same. I did the same. <laughs> and, but now, but, you know, and even they still needed, you know, the power of the, the studio, the, the radio network to, to get that out. And now being, it being so democratised that you can actually do your own live streaming. Um, but it, do you think it's a, um, a, a shift in the technology or a shift in, in the way the consumer demands 
It's, um, it's definitely both. Yeah. So there's been a huge cultural change in that the, the consumer now wants uh, personalised entertainment. They want yeah. it and they want to be able to access that in the, the medium that, that suits them, yeah. whether that's real time yes. on demand, whether it's while they're on the train, on the yeah. way to work, or whether that's at home watching yeah. TV, whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, they're the ones that are now dictating to these uh, technology providers saying, yeah. well, this is how I access my my uh, entertainment yeah what are you going to do for me yeah yeah. Um, so I think it was definitely that change so Mm. a cultural change there but then also Mm. this structural change with uh, faster speed internet yeah um, with uh, a move away from the traditional broadcast Mm. media yeah Um, and the two sort of came along hand in hand at the at the right time and Mm. um, to be able to capitalize on that it's it's really freed up a lot of uh, sports uh, and a lot of events, yeah. and I guess as, as well a lot of small businesses as well to be able yeah. to produce their own videos pretty low yeah. cost. Um, I've got one startup who makes furniture, okay, and he can yeah. now stream live him in the in the workshop, yeah, and so customers can right. see how he's actually um, <laughs> going through the whole process of whether it's sanding down the timber, yeah. whether it's actually uh, you know. Putting That's together the, the, the plans, it's just it provides that consumer with an inside look, and yeah. um, I think you know that's definitely an area that small mm. business can can use. I was over in LA as well, which uh, at the start of the year, and there was a band playing, like in we're in Byron here at the moment, and I mean there's people busking on the streets all the time, yeah. and uh, there was a, a band busking, and yeah. instead of just doing that, they also had a little tripod set up with their phone, yeah. and they were streaming their busking yes, gig right. on Facebook as well <laughs> so any of the, the, their likes on Facebook the yeah. people that follow them could also watch live as well so yeah yeah I mean yeah, they couldn't they, they couldn't throw their coins into the guitar yeah. case, but but uh, they, but, they, but they metaphorically throw metaphorically the coin with the line with the like. like they could and you know maybe they'll buy an album you know? yes so, yeah exactly it's not difficult. Yep. So looking at it as being an opportunity rather than just a threat and I guess being a, an early adapter yeah. um, to, to yep. that innovation. Mm, mm. And, it's, and that's definitely changes, um, you know, I mean, a change has always been a um, continuous thing. Like it, it, nothing ever stays the same, but the, the rate of change now just means, I guess, that um, businesses need to be prepared to experiment, to mm. say, well, this has come along. I'll give it a shot. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, so I guess linking back, so we've, although we've provided this bit of a snapshot on, on both mm. structural, cultural, technological yep. changes and, and I guess the idea that businesses can't be complacent. Yes. Uh, yep. They need to see any changes as, as a potential opportunity for them. Yes. Yeah. Um, but then looking at what we mentioned in the very beginning that, mm. yeah, businesses can't shy away from, from the, uh, the natural disaster mm. risks, from the, the human error risks to yep. the, 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 the physical risks. Yep. And I guess this ties in well with some of the things you've got coming up as well. Yeah, yeah. so um, we're working at the moment with the uh, Lismore Business Panel um, uh, to bring to flood-affected businesses a series of workshops that are about um, addressing the fact that these businesses have gone through um, and experienced a a natural disaster that has been, um, you know, hugely um, difficult for them um, in in going through that recovery process. Um, And over the um, uh, the 10 weeks um, from the 30th of August, 
um, we'll be bringing a series of workshops to uh, flood affected businesses. Um, if you're a flood affected business in Lismore, um, uh, in the Lismore area, um, please do contact um, the, uh, the city centre manager um, or check out um, the uh, Lismore Business Optimisation Program on the Come to the Heart um, website, which will um, have some information on how you can register for these workshops, completely funded for by the Lismore Business Panel. Fantastic. I think it's so important to, from what we've been chatting to, mm. uh, I guess, together today, mm. that these businesses that are in, in the Lismore area, they've been affected yeah. by you know several different risks. Yeah. That, that have really come forth and, That's and right. proved a challenge for them yep. to, to take up this opportunity. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, to, to, f to give that power back to the businesses to say, you know, you've come through this, um, you know what it's like to experience a natural disaster. Now let's think about how um, you could put in place um, some contingency plans for addressing the fact that um, the levees might break. Um, you know, how, how can you set your business up um, to be resilient um, to the fact that you, that you might experience this um, disaster again? So um, we'll be doing um, stuff around um, risk management and contingency planning, um, how to maximise value in your business and minimise waste because now that it is about time to rebuild, it does suck a lot of your time, energy and funds in um, getting your business back to the level that it was. So, um, you know, again, seeing this, this disaster as an opportunity to renew the business. Um, so yeah, really looking forward to working with the businesses um, in, in Lismore on this. So um, if you want to check out um, the website, it's cometotheheart.com.au um, and uh, you can see the, um, the Lismore Business Optimization Program um, is listed on there in the menu. Um, you can register. Um, and make sure you secure a spot in the group because uh, we're really looking forward to working with the businesses one-on-one um, uh, -on -one to you know, get, get them back on their feet and to um, mitigate the risks for the future. Um, if you do have any other questions, um, uh, you can direct them to the city centre manager um, at Lismore or give us a call uh, at the small business support unit here at um, on 02668555000. I'm now joined by Cassie Anderson, the owner of Valancourt, uh, who's in the studio joining us now. Cassie, how are you going? Good, thank you. Great to be here. Excellent. So Cassie, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background and, and what brought you to Byron Bay. So I grew up in Tasmania and could not wait to get out into the world. Um, so I moved to London when I was about 19, 20, and um, did some studies in fashion there. Did my time there, headed back to Sydney, uh, did some fashion business courses and landed a job at Q Clothing Company in the head office. And I worked my way up to be the accessory developer um, for the company developing bags, belts, jewellery and a sunglasses range. Um, so from there, I um, was a bit burnt out with the weekly deliveries and the weekly grind of the fashion business side. So I decided that I needed a break and I needed some headspace. 
and the best way to clear my thoughts and to get uh, my head around getting my brand together was to move out of the city. So that's what brought me to Byron Bay. Excellent. So how long have you been in Byron for now since you made that move up from Sydney? Uh, 11 months, actually. So almost a year. Excellent, excellent. And so tell us about this new venture you've gone into. You've started a, a, new, a new business, a new, a new label called Ballancourt. Yep. Uh, what's Ballancourt all about? So Ballancourt is a high-end eco-luxe handbag range. So I wanted to make some bags or I wanted to do some accessories, but in a meaningful way. I didn't want to just make more products in the world. I wanted um, them to be done in a, a, for a sustainable way. So what I'm doing is using a leather, um, but vegetable dyed leather so there's no chemicals involved in the tanning process it's taking it back to the the original way to tan leather um, so that's using natural plant material uh, so it's a longer process and it is a little bit more costly so it's going to push my brand into that higher end but uh, i'm also going to use recycled linings and recycled packaging excellent that sounds yeah. fantastic so so what have been some of the challenges so far you've faced heading into this I guess the establishment phase uh, yep. that you're, you're currently in, what are, what are some of the, the, the challenges you've faced? So a big challenge was coming up with the way in which to, to build this brand and to, um, to come up with that sustainable element. Um, and I've just gone through a phase of doing a, quite a large business plan. So that's been quite challenging um, on my time and putting down everything that I want to do on paper and then just realizing, wow, I've got this brand in my hands and now I've got to do something with it. So that's been the biggest challenge so far. Uh, I've got quite a strong network of suppliers and contacts within the fashion industry. So I feel like I've got a really good head start, um, but I'm sure there's going to be a load of challenges ahead. Of course, of yeah. course. And so looking ahead, what, what is in store for, for Ballancourt and yourself yeah. um, in, in the upcoming months? So I've just um, signed on with a supplier who's going to take me from sourcing all of my materials through to development and production. So we're going to start that process uh, in the coming weeks. And I've just signed on with a graphic designer who's based in Barcelona, and she's done some great work with Inditex Group. So we're working on our on my branding, and I've just got to do everything. Everything's coming up. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned Inditex. For those that yeah. aren't aware, Inditex obviously some yeah. some big labels big that labels fall under in, Inditex, like in, uh, what, Zara, Zara, Massimo Dutti, uh, all of the labels that are associated with Zara and um, based in Spain. Fantastic. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, all the best with the establishment of Ballancourt. Uh, Thank and thanks for joining us on our first uh, biz chat uh, in this podcast series. Thank you. Well, thanks for, uh, thanks for that, um, Sean. That was um, my... That, oh. That was my first podcast experience. Fantastic. Yeah, well, it does. Uh, it wraps up our first business yes. chat uh, in the business chat series. All right, series. high five on that one.
Um, so, Felice, what's uh, what's coming up for you in the in the coming weeks? Well, as I said, I'll be walking around Lismore, um, talking to businesses, encouraging them to come along to the um, workshop series that we do have for um, uh, rebuilding your business after uh, the the recent floods. Um, and um, I'm also working with um, some businesses one on one to. Um, really work on, with with a lot of them it's about articulating their services articulating the um, packages that they offer to their customers and and getting um, really clear on what it is that your customer needs um, and building some action plans on how you're going to take that to your customers awesome mm. awesome how about you What's going uh, on? we've got a, another big bunch of, of startups coming through um, our, our mentoring program over the next 12 months and so we've just had a few that have just started so Brilliant. we've got a fantastic workshop coming up at the end of August yeah some really um, interesting businesses going through yeah mm. it just it, it doesn't ever surprise me now that when <laughs> someone comes along and they've just got this new innovative idea yeah. and you know I'm just that? like yeah, yeah. Of, of course you do <laughs> yeah. I'm not surprised everywhere you know there's just so many people in this area have just got some fantastic ideas yeah, and I love right. it when they come in and brilliant and then bring that forward and we can put it on paper so again yeah some workshops some some advisory and it's going to be yeah, it's going to be a great end to the month fantastic